Good morning. It is a beautiful day here at Shay's Lockdown Blue Jackets. The sun is shining, the birds are singing, the Blue Jackets have a game tonight. All is well with the world. My name is Jay Foster. This is Lockdown Blue Jackets. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Oh boy, do we have a show for you today. We've got the best of both worlds because I'm going to be talking about the last game, Muzzin injury, goalie performances on both ends of the ice, and the fact that apparently the Blue Jackets can't seem to buy a goal. Uh, and I'm also going to be talking about tonight's game, where hopefully we will score an actual hockey goal against an actual hockey goalie. The dream, right? I'm also going to talk a little bit about John Tortorella's coaching strategies, and we have a little bit of round the league talk, including a certain ex-Blue Jacket who is now wearing black and yellow. But first. Oh man. Game two was... Well, it was a time. Uh, Corpusalo was fantastic, as he's been all series. Everyone else was less that. If you're getting this kind of goaltending from a guy like Jonas Corposalo, who I think is great, but he has been out of his mind good this series. And if you have a guy like that who's playing to this level, like you can't waste that with the kind of shoddy performance that you put on, not last night, but the night before. Um... You have to back that up with your offense. If he's only allowing two goals on 60 shots, you need to be scoring more than one goal. Yeah, I know that we scored two goals, but one of those was an empty netter. And let's be honest, in this scenario, empty netters don't really count. Sorry, Wemberg. Uh, In better news, we did massively improve our face-off percentage, which is a thing that we have struggled with basically all season and for the past few seasons unless your name is Brandon Dubinsky but hey if you're gonna sacrifice all of your offense for face-off wins I don't know that that's a good trade-off you know I personally would rather lose every face-off and also score literally any goal than win a bunch of face-offs and get shut out by the Leafs which is what happened we also took too many penalties in basically anyone's book like, this is a power play unit of Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, William Nylander, Tyson Barry. Like, that's a hell of a power play unit, and if you're gonna give them seven power play opportunities, like, you're just, you're tempting fate. Uh, I don't believe that any of the goals were scored on the power play, but that's beside the point. If you're gonna take seven penalties in a game, you need to not do that especially because even if you don't allow a goal on it it messes up the rhythm of the whole game you've got guys like Pierre-Luc Dubois and Oliver Bjorkstrand sitting on the bench doing nothing for two minutes at a time then when we're even strength you've got to rest your penalty killers and the lines are all jumbled up and it's a nightmare no one can ever really get anything started and I think that was one of the key the key issues that we had in game two was everyone just kind of looked like they didn't really know who they were meant to be playing with at any given time. And that's a problem. I think part of the reason we were so successful in game one is because we played as a team. Everyone had essentially a perfect game, I think. Um, there were a couple of things I would have liked to have seen done a little bit better. Obviously, we've discussed the face-offs. But then when you have a performance like game one and then you follow it up with something like game two where you get outshot something like 37 to 28, like that's that's a problem. Which, honestly, I think 
is part of the issue with both the Blue Jackets and the Leafs in this series. They are possibly two of the most inconsistent and unpredictable teams in the NHL. Uh, before coming into this series, I was on Lockdown NHL with Sarah Pado, host of Lockdown Kings, and we talked about how winning this series basically depends on which team shows up. If we get the Blue Jackets that showed up in Game 1, then awesome, we're probably going to win this series. It's not going to be easy, but we can definitely win it. If we get the Blue Jackets that showed up in Game 2, then honestly, I feel like it's just downhill from here. However, if you get the Leafs from Game 1, then happy days. I'll play that team any day of the week. If you get the Leafs from Game 2, then we are in trouble. Because, shockingly, allowing 35-plus shots on goal is not a recipe for a win, especially against guys like these. John Tavares had 8 shots on goal last game. You can't be letting John Tavares have 8 shots on goal. Like, that's that's just not going to work. He's going to score. And last last game, he did. Beautiful, beautiful breakaway that shouldn't have happened. Probably sh- should have been saved. Uh, I never like to blame the goalie, but that one, oh, that just squeaked in, didn't it? But you've got guys like that. They're just getting warmed up. They're just getting ready to go. Historically, the Leafs have not been particularly slow out of the gate. Uh, especially in terms of offense. Uh, Freddie has historically been a slow starter, as has Jonas Corposalo, but both goalies came came to play, which is awesome, but also a little bit terrifying, especially when you consider the scores of the last two games. If the Leafs continue to get better and we continue to get worse, that's that's a problem. And then, of course, you have to look at the Jake Muzzin injury which I've seen a lot of quote-unquote hot takes about this, uh, about how Dubois should be suspended and he's a classless, dirty player and, you know, things like that. And for me, I think it comes down to, yeah, Dubois should not have cross-checked him. That is a, that is absolutely a cross-check. That is a penalty any day of the week. But the refs have been inconsistent all series, and with every other series as well. They seem to call stupid stuff, and then they let stuff like this slide. They are consistently terrible with calling things like cross-checks, especially. And Dubois knows this. Every player on the ice knows this. They know that they can probably have at least one really good cross-check to the back before they get called for it. Uh, Typically, I always feel like a cross-check you're allowed to get away with one, but then if you cross-check them again, that's when you get called. But, like, if Dubois gets called for that cross-check, Muzzin still gets injured. It's just a freak accident. Shouldn't have cross-checked him. However, a bunch of other stuff came into play. Went headfirst into Otto Bjorkstrand's leg, and I think that was mostly what what messed him up. He could very easily have just fallen on the ice. He could have hit the boards. It could have been much worse. It could have been much better. It, either way, it it was a stupid move from Dubois. I don't know that it was a suspendable move from Dubois. Um, and I also think that a lot of the people shouting about for Dubois' head are the people that are claiming that Kyle Clifford's hit on Dean Kukin in the first period was a perfectly clean and legitimate hockey hit, which mm, I guess we'll just agree to disagree. But... The thing is, once you get down to it, 
Muzzin is out for the rest of the se- of the series, at least. Uh, he left the bubble, and so he has to quarantine for four days minimum, I believe, until he's allowed back with his teammates. Uh, I understand that he is back in the hotel, which is good news. Um, it's never it's never easy to see a player lying on the ice like that. Very very scary stuff. But fingers crossed, he's okay, and he just has to quarantine before he can return to the ice. But that brings us to who are the Maple Leafs replacing him with. And we will get to that in just a minute. But first, let me tell you about rockauto.com. Uh, with the ever-increasing number of makes and models of cars, it is basically impossible to go to your average storefront and get the exact part that you need there on the day. You have to endure pointless, intimidating questioning from someone who thinks they know more than you. Uh, and you have to wait for them to order the part, get it in, and then get back to you before you can fix your car. What if you just simply go on your phone and your computer or your computer and head straight to rockauto.com? Rockauto.com is a family business. They've been doing this online for 20 years. Uh, they have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even things like new carpets. If you can imagine it on your car, rockauto.com probably stocks it. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, no matter if you are a professional looking to fix someone else's car or if you're a DIYer looking to fix your own. Uh, So go to rockauto.com right now and see all of the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com just a quick reminder we are on twitter now you you can find the podcast at lo underscore blue jackets and you can find me if you need some more yelling about the blue jackets in your life at j the goalie all one word now game three tonight the series is tied essentially the clock is reset to zero it is a best of three going forward it is zero zero the blue jackets need to look at this game how Toronto looked at game two. They need to rest, they need to reset, they need to rebound. We need to score goals, which is my least favorite thing that we, that hockey men seem to to tell people, yeah, we, we have to score goals. We can't win games unless we score goals, but like it's a cliche for a reason. If you don't score goals, you don't win. You can't expect to go out and win every game like you did in game one which was essentially a one nothing game until about 50 seconds left. You can't you can't do that. Corpusalo is not going to stop every single shot that he faces. And yeah, he's been fantastic, but he's also just one man. And I think game 2 proved that where again he was almost perfect, but a goal from Austin Matthews, a goal from John Tavares, it starts to unravel a little bit. Um Corpusalo needs to be as good as he's been in game one and game two in game three. Guys like Austin Matthews, who scored almost 50 goals in the regular season, guys like John Tavares, guys like Mitch Marner, they are just getting started. You can't keep them locked down forever. So the longer that you manage to keep them shut down and keep them from doing anything, the better for you. Because I don't think this team, the Blue Jackets, can outscore a team like the Maple Leafs, when they get going. You are not going to outscore Austin Matthews with the roster that we have. It's just, it's not going to happen. So we have to stop him from scoring at all. 
The other thing is, going back to what I said previously, face-offs. Winning face-offs means literally nothing if you can't do anything with them. I would much rather lose every single face-off and score a goal than than what happened in game two, which was we were great in the face-off dart, and Corpusalo was great, but we were absolute garbage everywhere else. Passes couldn't connect, guys were constantly in the wrong place, it was, it was a mess, and that needs to be fixed. Uh, knowing John Tortorella, I'd like to imagine that was one of his big focuses for game three, is... Better discipline, stop taking penalties, play more solid defensively, no more allowing 38 shots or whatever it was on Corpusalo, and just keep it simple. Get the puck in the zone, cycle it, get your guys like Oliver Bjorkstrand shooting. He was our best goal scorer this season. It is incredible that we have him back, especially after that ankle injury. Uh, just before the pause, don't waste this incredible season that he's been having by just playing like we did in Game 2. And I feel like Game 3 is going to go one of two ways, frankly. Uh, Either the Leafs are going to rally around and win it for Jake Muzzin and, you know, shut it down. We've seen it before. It's such a good narrative. Winning it for the guy that can't play. Or... What's going to happen is their defense will fall apart because it's Morgan Riley and five depth guys, essentially. Tyson Berry is incredibly is an incredibly offensive defenseman. He's not so good in his own zone, and I feel like we know that. I feel like the Leafs know that. Um, Hall's been good so far, Justin Hall. I, I thought he was fine in game one. He was good in game two. Riley's been good. Obviously, he scored that empty netter, um, and he played a lot uh, in game two. But, well, guys like Tyson Berry, um, I was talking to my one uh, Leafs friend during the game, and he said that he would rather have uh, Tyson Berry on the ice than Jake Gardner, but it's close, which is not a particularly good look for Tyson Berry, in my opinion. Um However, having said that, you should be putting Riley and Barry on the ice together at this point. You can't be wasting a... He scored 39 points this season, and that was after a slow start. Um, He didn't really get anywhere until after Mike Babcock was fired. That was when he really started to pick it up, and that was, what, 30 games into the season? Um, He had 39 points this season. You have to give him... The opportunity to play with a guy like Riley. Because Riley is going to cover up the defensive hole that Barry leaves when he goes for his adventures. Um, Instead of just sticking in with a guy like Martin Marincin and hoping for the best. Um, That feels to me like a recipe for disaster. But hey, what do I know? I personally, as a hockey fan, would have liked to have seen a guy like Rasmus Sandin get that sixth slot. As a Blue Jackets fan who has to play against Martin Marincin tonight, I'm thrilled. Uh, I'm not going to complain too loudly. But after the series is said and done, I think, yeah, the Leafs should be looking long and hard about who they should have replaced Jake Muzzin with. 
because I think looking back, they're going to wish that they'd used a guy like Rasmus Sandin instead of a guy like Martin Marincin. Coming up next, uh, we've got some Tortorella talk. Uh, we're going to talk about him screaming on the bench at Pierre-Luc Dubois. We're going to talk a little bit about whether he actually deserves the Jack Adams or not. And we've also got the Jack Johnson experience, Pittsburgh edition. Remember to subscribe to Locked on Blue Jackets on your podcast app of choice to get daily CBJ content like this. And if you like this episode, why don't you drop a quick review? 1-800-TELL-ME-HOW-MY-DRIVING is, except, you know, for podcasts. John Tortorella is maybe the most divisive coach in the NHL. Uh, he's certainly up there. Uh, he is famously bad-tempered. He is famously ornery, prickly. We all remember him trying to get into the Calgary Flames dressing room to physically fight the coach, uh, which is one of my favorite torts moments. Um, but, you know, he rubs players the wrong way, I think. Um I do think it comes from a place of wanting to get the best out of them. I think he yells because he thinks that they can do better than they're doing. Um, But I also think that that doesn't necessarily work with a lot of players. Uh, I think that's the reason guys like Brandon Saad struggled in Columbus, because he had a style that was different to what Tortorella wanted the team to be, Um, which is not necessarily the wrong way to be, but it's not something that... Torts is going to encourage. Um, it's a similar thing like Ryan Johansson. Um, he clashed with Torts' style and he ended up getting traded for it, which, I mean, we got Seth Jones, so it's not the end of the world. Wenberg also has this issue. Um, Alex Wenberg is a phenomenal playmaker. He has probably the best passing skills on the team, except for maybe Ryan Murray. Um, but Torts wants him to shoot the puck more. He wants him to score more goals. And honestly, that feels unrealistic. Stop trying to make him shoot the puck. Torts, it's not going to happen. Uh, I know he scored a goal in game one, but literally he both tried to pass it to somebody else. And when that failed, he went back and got the puck again and then shot. So really, I feel like um, he just doesn't want to shoot the puck. He is happier passing it. He is a... Like I said, he's a brilliant passer, and I think we should be encouraging that. Um, I've talked a lot to my friends about how, hey, what if we just put him with a guy like Oliver Bjorkstrand, who will happily shoot the puck all day and see what happens. But, like, if you think about it, Joe Thornton has made a career out of refusing to shoot the puck, and he's turned out, you know, pretty okay. And I feel like we could easily get that out that kind of career out of Wenberg if we just stop trying to make him into something that he is not. He's not going to be a goal scorer. He could potentially be a pretty good playmaker and have a of many, many secondary assists like Joe Thornton. As for Torts, um, after game two, I saw a gif of uh, him and Dubois Pierre-Luc Dubois screaming at each other on the bench. Uh, And I think a lot of people worried that this would be almost not the beginning of the end, because that feels very melodramatic. But I feel like um, a lot of people think that this is going to reflect badly on Dubois. He's going to get pushed down the lineup um, because he clashes with Tort. Um, 
but honestly, I kind of think the opposite. I think Torts wants him to push back and he wants him to yell back. Uh, I know that Brandon Dubinsky and Cam Atkinson have both gone on record as saying that they've had their own screaming matches with uh, Tortorella. And I think mostly what he's trying to do is he's trying to get a rise out of Dubois. He's telling him, you know, that's not good enough. Do better. And he, what he wants is uh, for Dubois to essentially go, well, okay, uh, F you. And then get on the ice, get real mad, and put it into his play. Instead of just like sitting there on the bench and being like, yeah, no, I know I can do better. Torts is screaming at him because he wants Dubois to show him, basically. Um, we all know that Pierre-Luc Dubois is a brilliant player. I don't know that he's as offensive as we would have liked, especially considering the Blue Jackets scoring woes, but he when he is out there and when he is playing the way that he can play he's there's not many people on the ice that can match that i think but do we think that torts deserves the jack adams the jack adams i always feel like it's a really controversial uh, award you know people say oh if you show me a good coach i'll show you a good goalie and uh, yeah i think generally speaking that tends to be the case which is that a team is not very good but they get a goalie who, for whatever reason, just decides to stand on his head and play out of his mind all season. And people are like, yeah, that team is so well coached when it's not necessarily the case. Um, but you look at the Blue Jackets, the Blue Jackets are essentially like an Island of Misfit Toys type uh, team. We are, you know... A bunch of rookies and a handful of veterans and you know mid-round draft picks and untested goalies and guys that we've picked up in trades that you know we never would have had a chance to have otherwise um and we've taken this like mishmash of people and we've kind of scrambled it all together and we were successful you know uh we were fighting a losing battle from the start we lost Bobrovsky, uh we lost Duchesne we lost Panarin. You know, we lost a lot of really, really good pieces. And I think a lot of people thought, you know, me included, that we weren't going to be very good this season because of these pieces that we'd lost. Um, I didn't think we'd be bad. Uh, I know that this team is better than most people think that they are, but I feel like um, this team is greater than the sum of its parts. You know? I feel like we are together, we are a better team than what our individual stats and individual players would say. So, you know, we were fighting this losing battle from the start, and then the injury parade started. We lost Seth Jones for months. We lost Oliver Bjorkstrand. We lost both goalies. Uh, Jonas Corpusalo got named to the All-Star team, and literally the day after ripped his knee in half. Uh, we lost Elvis Moslikens to, uh, I believe, a concussion uh, not long after his uh, five shutouts in eight games performance. Uh, the only players that we did not lose this season were Pierre-Luc Dubois, Gus Nyquist, Boone Jenner. That's it. Okay, guys, like, we lost Felino for suspension, not injury. We lost uh, David Savard, I think, for a couple of games due to the flu. But that's like that's not that's not good. If you're playing an entire season with your AHL team, then yeah, I feel like Tortorella should get some credit for kind of 
putting this team together and somehow winning despite ourselves. Um, I don't know that he should win the Jack Adams, but I think he's got a better case than most. Uh, for what it's worth, my pick is uh, Alain Vigneault, because, wow, what what a season the Flyers are having. Uh, and then coming out and doing that to Boston in the first game. I love it. Um now that I've said that, they are probably going to lose to the Caps tonight, and I will have to eat my words tomorrow, but that's fine. Uh, speaking of the Metro Division, uh, what a joy it is to watch Jack Johnson play NHL hockey for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, I want it on record, I love Jack Johnson. Um, I don't want him anywhere near my team, but I think he's a really great guy. Um and as someone who is extremely not a fan of the Pittsburgh Penguins, I love when they put him on the ice. Uh, he is just out there making millions of dollars and cruising around the ice like a Buick with his hands made of stone. God bless. Uh, every time I think about Jim Rutherford saying that he knows why Jack Johnson was benched and it wasn't because of his play, a scoring chance against the Penguins is born. And it's a beautiful thing to behold. And I think that's about all I have time for today. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be breaking down tonight's game. Uh, we're going to look ahead to game four. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about what exactly is making Frederick Anderson and Jonas Corposalo so dominant in goal. Uh, once again, you can find me on Twitter at jthegoalie, or one word. You can find this podcast on Twitter at LO underscore bluejackets. Uh, if you want to get in touch, you can email me at lockedonbluejackets at gmail.com. And remember to subscribe and review on the podcast app of your choice. Uh, so that'll wrap up this episode of Locked On Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Why don't you go check out my friends over at Locked On Leafs to hear what they have to say about this upcoming Game 3. You have a great day, and I'll see you tomorrow.